Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 9 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 9 of The Informed Catholic. So, before we begin, please subscribe and share uh, to my podcast. If you like what I do and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. So, um, for this segment, I'm going to do the readings for... Uh, the first Monday of Ordinary Time. And um, so let's start with that. Let's start first with an act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Then Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we adore you. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so... <clears throat> we are going to do the reading. Um, <clears throat> first reading is going to be from the book of Hebrews. All right, a reading, from, um, a reading from the beginning of the letter of the Hebrews. In times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he spoke to us through the Son, whom he made heir of all things, and through whom he created the universe. Who is the reflection of his glory, the very imprint of his being? and who sustains all things by his mighty word. When he had accomplished purification from sins, he took his seat at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high, as far superior to the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which, for, to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, this day I have begotten you? Or again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And again, when he leads the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Let's look at this. Um, it's really very beautiful. Um, it's one of my favorite. The book of Hebrews is one of my favorite because it's really... Um, I really, if once you know the scriptures, you know the Bible, and you know the history of salvation history, 
the epic of salvation history. I find the book of Hebrews very intimate. It, it really draws you in. It draws you in because there is, it's almost like looking at a symphony of salvation, really. Um, <clears throat> how it begins, in times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. It acknowledges the, the, the history of salvation, the covenant, the revelation that God has given to Israel. And how it says, in, how it also acknowledges, it gives acknowledgement to the past saints. In times, God, in times past, God spoke in partial and various ways to our ancestors through the prophets. It acknowledges all our ancestors, the saints and the prophets, that revelation has been given to them. In these last days, he has spoken to us through a son. Now it acknowledges the son, the second person of the Trinity. The first part acknowledges the first, uh, the first person of the Trinity. And this right away, it moves so beautifully through the revelation history, the, the saints of the past, our ancestors, the prophets, and then to the second person of the Trinity, whom he made heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. It acknowledges the divinity of Christ. Now, the fact that he, it acknowledges him as son is also acknowledging the incarnation and also acknowledge, acknowledging him as part you know, as, as the one who partake in the creation of the universe with the Father. And it goes on, um, that fact that he has set him on the right hand. It's really magnificent that Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and that all authority of heaven and earth, all creation is given to him. Through him, through whom he created the universe, who is the reflection of, Sometimes it can be, he uses a word I don't like here, refulgence re, of his glory. It can be also the very essence of his glory, the very being of his glory, the very, uh, you can say, reflection um, of his glory, um, the very imprint of his being, okay? Imprint of his being. You know, there. I'm sure there are other ways to, to instead of using the word refulgence. I don't know why. Um, it just doesn't sound like a very attractive word. But you know, I'm sure there's another word that can be used. And who sustains all things by His mighty word, whom He had accomplished purification from sins. It acknowledges His His part in the creation of the universe in sustaining the universe, and then it also acknowledges his atonement, his sacrifice. Like I said, the book of Hebrews, whoever, uh, Paul, I believe Paul wrote it, knows his theology. This person has reached the height of sanctification and understanding of revelation. It's just beautiful. I mean, sometimes I wondered, because it doesn't give you the name of the person, I sometimes wondered if John the Apostle wrote it, but 
it's a possibility, I believe Paul had to write it because at the end, it talks about Italy. It talks about, um, I mean, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot, you know, one day we're going to have to do a whole podcast on this. It's, it's just unbelievably beautiful. I mean, you could put side by side with the book of Revelation. It's fantastic. Um, again, um, who is the refulgence of his glory, reflection, and the very imprint of his being. The very imprint of his being. How intimate can that be? Who sustains all things by his mighty word. It, it acknowledges Jesus as the Logos and it acknowledges his intimacy, his part in creation. When he had accomplished purification from sin, his sacrifice, his atonement for, uh, for the salvation of the world, who had accomplished, okay, who he took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, it goes back to all authority of heaven and earth being given to him, his relationship with the Father, <clears throat> as far superior to the angels, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, this is a very, very beautiful uh, book. It's a masterpiece of theology. And we should be so happy that someone placed it in this. It's fantastic. Placed it in the, in the canon of the New Testament. It's fantastic. Then it goes on to say, you know, for what, to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. Or again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. This is, I believe, this part here is attacking the heresies that are going around. I mean, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Jehovah Witnesses, but they tend to want to believe that Michael and Jesus are the same people. That's a heresy. An angel cannot save you. The book of Hebrews already makes it quite clear of the, the intimate relationship that the second person has with God the Father. And it makes it quite clear that Jesus Christ is a God. So... The, there was a lot of heresies going around, even right away, as soon as Christianity entered the scene, the devil didn't waste any of his, any of his time to try to uh, pollute and uh, um, contaminate the gospel. You know, Jesus is God. He's not an angel. He's not Michael the archangel. So whatever the, whatever the Jehovah Witnesses, Witnesses tell you is a heresy. And it's not unusual. There were many heresies similar to Jehovah's Witnesses um, through, uh, throughout the centuries. So it's nothing new under the sun. Um, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. And again, when he leads the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. So there you go. He himself, all authority of heaven and earth, it basically accomplishes the uh, prophecy of Daniel, which is very important. So this part here is very beautiful. Let's go to the to the psalm. Let me say this: one of the most, I think, what's important about this passage here, especially for all of us who are believers and believe that God exists and God is true and God is real, is that 
This particular passage shows us that God is in charge throughout the whole world, right from the beginning of time and even all of creation and even before, let's say, creation came into being, God was always in charge. And then another important thing is I started reading uh, because of my, um, I wanted to do a New Year's resolution by starting to read the scriptures over again. I'm doing the uh, Great Adventure Bible, um, reading uh, four chapters a day um, as much as I can uh, to for the New Year's resolution. I, reading from Genesis, now I'm almost uh, coming to the end of Genesis, um, the story of Joseph, especially you see how uh, the part where you know, he's now in Egypt, he has a high position, how God took care of him. We're going to be okay. I know it's tough, but whatever we're going through, God has his reasons. Why he could have wanted, willed that Trump would what would have won this without any obstacle. But whatever reason he has, we are in a drama of history. Okay, we're, this is a dramatic point in our country and also what's going around the ro- going around around the world. We have to remember, we're living in a time very, you know, I mean, imagine a time when we didn't have media. Imagine what people went through the Roman Empire. Imagine what people went through in ancient days where they had no means of communication. All right, imagine... What, you know, what was life like for the early Christians during the Roman Empire or when the Roman Empire was falling apart, when there were civil wars going on, what the people during the time of Israel, when the kingdom split in two after Solomon's death or when they were taken away for 70 years into Babylon and then, un- then from Babylon to be under the Persians and then from under the Persians to be under Alexander the Great. And then under Rome, there's all kinds of things. We have no idea what life was like. This here passage is to remind us that all authority of heaven and earth are under Jesus Christ now. The God, the Father, handed over to God, the Son, the Messiah, the Son of Man, all authority of heaven and earth. God is, in, God is in charge. And what we're going through is the drama of history. Some of us are uncertain about this. We don't know what, you know, what God has plans, what we're going to be witnessing. But I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to tell you right now. We, we thought 2020 was bad. We thought the drama 2020 was dramatic. Guess what? 2021 is just, you know, we're just at the start of it. We don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you this right now. This, this, this drama is not going to go away. Whatever it is, we have to start praying and we have to start believing. We have to start praying more. We have to look for sanctification, meaning to be holy. We don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Man, man proposes, 
God disposes. You want to make God laugh? Tell him what your plans are. Okay? We're about, a lot of things are going to be exposed. One of the things I've been praying when I pray my rosary, and I prayed really hard for President Trump to win. Trust me on this one. I did. But I also found myself saying, expose all the lies. Expose the lies. And in some, and I have to say, he did. He did. He did expose it. He exposed the fact that there is something sinister going on. And we see this through this um, social media network. We see this now with the so-called reset. We see this now with our um, the the people who are in charge. I have a. I am. I'm serious. I think we're going to see with this despicable. Uh, takeover, this this, this this despicable, treacherous takeover. It's a treacherous takeover by these Democrats. They're going to be confounded, meaning just like God did to the Tower of Babel and 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 God revealed the the treachery and 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 the the sinisterness of what's going on, we're gonna see more of it. We're gonna see more of it. And more is going to be revealed. I don't think it's over for Trump. I don't think it's over for the movement. They're more afraid of the movement. Just today, I couldn't even get on Parler. I got on Parler months ago. Um, but now I can't access it because they're, they're shutting down the servers. This is done through both Google uh, App Store and Amazon. They're shutting down and also Apple. They have uh, servers and they're not in charge of their own servers. I, I, they, they came out to be number one. What do you think that means to the left? That so many people joined Parler in such a short span of time that now they fear it because it's a bigger movement than they realize. And obviously... It speaks to the fraud. It it, it, it it validates the fraud. So let's see what's going to happen. Let's go on to now the, um, the response to Psalm. It's in Psalm 97. And the response is, let all his angels worship him. Let all his angels worship him. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. Justice and judgment are are the foundations of his throne. Let all his angels worship him. Let me read that one more time. Let all his angels worship him. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. Justice and judgment are the foundations of his throne. Let all his angels worship him. So the Lord, our God, is king. And let the earth rejoice. Let all the people of the world who know God is king rejoice. Let the many isles be glad. This is speaking of the Gentile nations, the many different islands like the Greek islands and the of the Mediterranean and the different nations out there. Justice and judgment are the foundations of his throne. Okay, if you believe in God, you have to believe in justice and judgment. And that they are the foundations 
of his throne. You have to believe in what is good and what is just. You can't be a believer in God and you do not believe in justice and, and judgment and the right the rightness of God, the truth of God. It means our actions have to correspond to our faith in God. It cannot be contrary. Let all the let the, all the angels worship him. That means all the, the the heavenly powers that God set up in place. All right. The community, the the world, the kingdom of the universe is set up in the right place. And they and they acknowledge God. The heavens proclaim his justice. This is the next verse. The heavens proclaim his justice. And all people see his glory. Let all the angels worship him. The heavens proclaim God's justice. Even the heavens, even the heavenly beings and all whatever is the world that we don't see proclaim his justice. In other words, God's justice is the same here, whether in this world or any other world. The justice is the same. There's no contradiction. All right. Even let's put it this way. Even for those of you, or those of us out there who are comic book followers and believe in alternate realities, God's justice is the same even in alternate realities. Okay, it's a silly thing, but who knows? Maybe science could prove that. And all people see his glory. All people see his glory. And let all his angels worship him. Okay, let all the angels, even the angels, the unseen beings that he set up, worship him. They're no different than us. They have to worship God. Okay, then the final verse. Because you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth, exalted far above all gods. This is interesting. Because you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth, exalted far above all gods. What does that mean? If he's he's the only God, right? Well, this is actually speaking to what people worship. Okay, people love politics. Politics, if you worship politics, that is your pagan God. If you worship the market, that is your pagan God. If you, um, anything that you have, food, alcohol, drugs, that becomes your pagan God. Remember the Israelites, I'm about to watch them now in uh, the reading I'm, I'm doing now, uh, The Great Adventure, they're going into Egypt. But what I noticed is, even among Jacob, his children, when God made a covenant with him, he told his children to put away your idols, to put away all their gods. He actually told them to do that, to put away all their gods. So they were not completely all into worshiping God. The revelation was gradual, like it says in the book of Hebrews. It started with Abraham. Abraham, supposedly his father, and Lot, definitely Lot worshipped other gods. He didn't he didn't share in Abraham's worship with, with Yahweh, with this one God that revealed himself. And even um when um Jacob went to get uh get himself a wife from his uncle Leban, his uncle Leban worshipped gods. And when they when Jacob took his family away from Leban, uh, one of his wives, who's the two the two sisters he married, she stole her father's gods and brought them with her. Obviously, they might have been made of gold and silver or precious stone. 
And even Jacob's sons worshipped false gods. So there was still a struggle among them about whether God is the only God. But now they're going to go into Egypt. And this paganism is going to become more selfish, more prideful. It's going to represent sensuality and and all kinds of sex. Even people who are into sex worship a pagan god. You can say a pagan god of porn, the idol god of pornography, the idol god of sensuality and sex. All the even in media, there are gods that can become a god. Politics, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, all these people, they live in politics. They will worship it even though it will kill them in the end and destroy them and destroy destroy other people around them. Politics, media, money, your job, anything, materialism can be a pagan idol in your life. And people have to learn this. Okay, let's verse one more time. Because you, O Lord, are the most high over all, all the earth, exalted far above all gods. Let all the angels worship him. There's something we have to think about, right? All right, let's move on to the gospel reading. Okay, so the gospel reading. Um, the antiphon. Alleluia antiphon. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Repent and believe in the gospel. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fisher of men. Then they left their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let's go back and read it one more time. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they left their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further, and he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them, so they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. Okay, so let's look at this. What is the, what is the Lord saying to us here? John was just arrested. John was just arrested. 
Why? Because John was preaching and he was calling repentance, especially Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great. All right? <clears throat> Herod Antipas lived in a scandalous life. He took his brother's wife. She was still legally married to his brother. And he took her as his mistress. And he lived in a scandalous lifestyle. This, this man <clears throat> represented the people. He represented the culture. He represented uh, the people in a, in, a, in a way. He was a ruler. He, all right. He was a political ruler. And he wanted to claim the right to rule over the people. The right to rule over the people. And for the people to acknowledge him as their ruler and their king. But his moral life, his moral life was contrary to what the, the, the faith of Israel, to the faith of the people. And John the Baptist called him out on that. Okay, called him out on that. People in power don't like that. We just read already, um, you know, what the Psalm says to us. Remember, people were... Pagan gods necessarily mean you have to have something like in a figurine. All right. Even those of us who love comic books, you know, they go out and they buy figurines. I mean, you see some of these people. I don't know if you ever watch YouTube right behind them. They have all kinds of collectibles. They, they spend a lot of money on them. I mean, I have to admit, I used to collect comic books and I and I and I, I like comics. I like the stories. I like the mythology. But even I myself began to wonder, you know, I mean, I love faith. You, if you saw my room, it's a mess. But I have books, books of, of, uh, on Catholicism. And, you know, and, uh, and I have to say, honestly, with the more you pray, the more you pray, the more you will break away from these things that are useless because they don't add up. They don't add anything. They can't save you. They're just distractions from life's problems. It's like a drug. And after a while, you begin to realize something else people don't realize about these these pop culture things they're not yours you're giving your money to these people who put these products out to give you a short dopamine high and afterward you have to keep coming back for more that's why there's a lot of pagan idols and what you see here what john did it put him into prison because he had to do it for the sake of the truth, the word of God. There's an interesting scene in the movie Jesus of Nazareth, the miniseries, where Michael York playing John the Baptist says to Herod Antipas, you know, I have to, you know, no, he says, if, you know, stand and tell you the truth, because one day, you will have to give an account of your life. And on the day of judgment, I will have to stand and give an account. It was the duty of John to tell him publicly to repent and put away this woman who is not your wife. You're, she is still married to your brother. And you are hurting your soul. 
And by doing this, he is going to hurt everyone because everyone in the land is going to suffer from this. Our leaders have a moral problem in their lives. And they want to think that they are apart from it. That's why they worship the state. They want the state to be their God and to defend their immoral life. That's why people look to the state for divorce. And they look to the state to legalize immorality, homosexuality, abortion, drugs, pedophilia, gay marriage. All that is basically part of their immoral lifestyle. And therefore, if God will not approve of it, then they'll go to the God of the state to approve of it. You wonder why all this is happening to us, why the coronavirus came on us, the Wuhan virus came on us, why all of a sudden New York City is suffering, why California is suffering, why the economy is going bad, why we're having new strains of this Wuhan virus coming down upon us. Well, ask yourself, have we been, have we been living our lives morally? How long can we, we kept on wondering, how long was God, how long will God keep tolerate all this? In some cases, people wondered if God even existed. How long have, have schools attacked the gospel? How many, look at our, look at our chief, our, our leaders in the church. Look at the scandals we've had. We've had one pedophile scandal, one sexual abuse scandal after another, after another. And people laughed. Look at this. Look at these men in the church. Look at the church you belong to. Look at the religion you belong to. I've heard this so many times from people. Your, your Catholicism is hypocritical. You're a bunch of pedophiles, all of you. And then we've had people changing the religion to become whatever they want it to be, to become a, um, you know, a, 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 you know, a man-made religion where you have someone like James Martin, who's going around wanting to make it into a gay Catholicism. Well, he's practically winning because he's already becoming a gay Catholicism. Look at the bishops we have. Look at look at them. They don't even speak up. They 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 kiss the feet of of senators and congressmen who support abortion and homosexuality. They bow to them. All right. They they would sooner. I mean, if in, they would sooner put Christ on the on the cross again and send him to his death before anything changed. That's why that's why Her, um, Caiaphas and Annas did that. They worshipped the state. They want the people to keep thinking the Messiah is yet to come. But as soon as someone comes up who really is the Messiah, they send him to the, to, to, to the cross. No. Because why? They don't want things to be changed. The truth is the state was their God. And they proved it the day Jesus stood on the, on, on the, uh, up there with Pilate. And Pilate said, what about the one who's called your king? And what did they say? We have no king but Caesar. The Jews said the same thing to Samuel. Give us a king. We want a king like the rest of the nations. God was supposed to be their king. And what happened? We have no king but Caesar. They chose man. When the Jews built the golden calf, what do you think they were saying? They were building the golden calf because the cow represented Egypt, the bull. 
And the bowl also had on it, it's supposed to have the cobra, the snake, the serpent, which represented the pharaoh, the pharaoh's authority over upper and lower Egypt. Once they went back to Egypt with the golden bull, that was their way of saying to him, we accept your authority, Pharaoh. You are our king and you are our God. That's what their plans were when they thought Moses was dead. To build the golden cow, to build the calf with the serpent on its head, the headdress of a Pharaoh. They, the people of Egypt, the golden cow, with the with the serpent headdress would on the head of the of the bull would go to Pharaoh and Pharaoh would understand what their meanings are that they themselves are willing to become his footstool them and their children their plan was to go back to Egypt and submit themselves to the authority and power of Pharaoh even though he will tear them to pieces step all over them mutilate them, kill their children, rape their women. They're willing to do that so they can be fed. God tested them. The 40 days up in the hill, uh, in the mountain with Moses apart from them, was to see how true they were. They were not. They were pagans. In their heart, they worshipped Pharaoh. They worshipped other gods. Remember, they kept on complaining. We're dying from hunger here. Now, all of a sudden, now you have Jesus appearing on the scene. And, you know, he goes to the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and, and his brother Andrew. They're casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. They're catching fish. <clears throat> They're Jesus appearing. Now he wants them to start casting their net into the world. He wants them to become his apostles. And the net is the gospel, the message. They cast it into the sea. The sea is the world. Remember, if you ever look again, you hear like Jesus talking with many waters. He's speaking in the language of many different people. And whenever you see something like the sea or like say like the part where the, the monster or the the, the dragon with seven heads coming out of the sea. The seven head represents a false covenant. I believe that's what a seven heads. I hope I'm getting the numbers right. But with different crowns, with different kings, speaking in many different languages, just like the internet. The internet has many, can reach out to the whole world. And everyone can hear a message now in many different languages, in many different languages. And the gospel, the church can do the same thing if it gets its act together, right? Speak out in many different languages and can, and can bring people in under, in the boat, in the boat, in the, which the boat represents the church. So, then you have um, James, the son of Zebedee, right? After Jesus says to Andrew and Peter to follow me and I will teach you and I will make you fishers of men. And then James and, and James and John, the son of Zebedee, they're mending their nets. They're mending their nets, meaning that they're, they're fixing 
problems. They're fixing their, um, fi- they're mending uh, loose parts of the message, like parts that they have to get fixed. They have to constantly, the church has to constantly mend its tools, mend its uh, ability to speak, ability to, to preach, its ability, which what the church should be doing which is what priests and bishops and, and the Pope should be doing, mending, fixing problems here and there. In other words, constantly being aware of, of, of Achilles' heels, like people like James Martin, people like McCarrick, always constantly being aware of a problem and addressing that problem right away, not waiting not making excuses, all right. Not making acceptance. Not, not tolerating. Oh well, he's bringing in money. You know, someone like McCarrick who has the skill to bring in money, because he goes to politicians. Oh well, he know he knows how to speak the language of the people. We should be, you know, a little bit more tolerant. No, G.K. Chesterton said, a person who practices tolerance, right? is an individual without a backbone because because you're, what you're doing is what are you tolerant of you're tolerant of perversion you're tolerant of pedophilia you're tolerant of pornography you're tolerant of lies you're tolerant of murder how much tolerance are you going to have look at pope francis and china Look what he did to our brothers and sisters, to the church over there. He made an acceptance for what? For money? What, is he that broke? No. For what? What acceptance did he make? They're tearing down churches over there. They're committing abortion. They're committing all kinds of genocide to people. And he is making acceptance. He's accepting what money from them? What for? What about the fact that his own soul, when one day he has to stand in judgment and all those souls, all our brothers and sisters over there, the Catholic Church in China have to make, have to make an account against him. How much can you accept? How much tolerance? You have to constantly mend your net. You have to be aware of constantly of problems. Okay? You have to. When the church brings in the net, it has to separate the good fish from the bad. Okay? They have to throw away the bad ones. Jews can't eat shellfish or oysters, so they had to throw them out into the water again. Right? There are certain fish that don't are not part of the Jewish diet. Well, there are certain things that are not part of our spiritual diet. And we don't make acceptance for. They throw it back into the water. Okay? They left their father, Zebedee, with some hired servants, and they followed him. Now, this encounter is only one perspective of the encounter. They already knew who Jesus was. They've heard him preach and teach before. We see this. Luke, he shows us another encounter, an encounter before this. We just fit it all together. 
It took time. They knew him. He's been preaching in the synagogue in, in Capernaum for quite some time. And now he's finally telling them, come and follow me. So this is something that we have to be aware of. We are in the world, but we have to be apart from the world. We have to interact in the world. We have to navigate a way around the problems. We have to navigate around issues, not in a sense, dodge them and avoid them and not not tackle problems, but we have to learn how to spiritually navigate, navigate through the landmines. All right. So, um, yeah. So my parlor, uh, uh, app is not working. So I don't know. That could be because of the servers and, um, Look, um, I'll keep my informed Catholic uh, page up on Facebook. I'm not going to take it down. Um, we're going to have to navigate through it. And I'm going to set up an informed Catholic uh, email account. So if anyone wants to contact me or send me information, I would appreciate it. I'll try to come up with a patron account, um, Patreon page. Um and I will continue. I'll keep my YouTube channel up. I'm not happy with them. I don't like dealing with hypocrisy. But I'll set up a Rumble account and I'll see what I can do by putting things on Rumble. Although I don't know how long that's going to be. I'm hoping that there will be a legal battle in court in front of the Supreme Court. And I'm hoping that Parler will set up its own server and, you know, I think that there has to be a legal battle. And I think that what the only way it's going to happen is several events have to take place. Things have to get really, really um, seriously bad. And I think there has to be legal issues, legal problems, um, a lot of controversy, a lot of chaos. I don't want to see violence. But unfortunately, they're not going, you know, I think we're going to see maybe some serious, serious um, battles within the Democrats. And for all of us who are conservative, we can't be part of the Republican Party anymore. They left us. They abandoned us. This is something that's been heading on for many years. The Republicans are establishment. They don't care about the core values and issues of what matters to us. Our values are what matters. Our values are what matters. That's what matters to us. Values as Christians. Okay. I've been trying very hard to learn how to read the gospel and apply it to our daily lives. I've been reading, listening, reading a lot of accounts, reading the writings of the saints they're not just past events. They're, they're meant to help us navigate through our lives today. They're meant to help us navigate through our lives today. We can, we can take the scripture passage and read it and apply it to our daily lives today. I'm going to end it here now. I'm going to say the Our Father. So we can, we can, um, we can hear God speaking to us. 
Okay, we have to be aware. We have to constantly be aware of our world and what God is saying to us today. It's not impossible. Okay, mending their nets. I understood what that meant. They were fixing problems. Okay, they can't use their net. They can't use their tools if they don't fix the problem. And that's exactly what we have to do. We can't live our lives every single day by ignoring the problem. It's like Jesus said, you can't put a patch on an old tear because it's going to eventually tear. It's going to, you know, you've got to figure out some other way. You've got to figure out either fix the problem. You've got to fix the problem. You've got to be aware of your problem. It's like in family. I'm not married, but some of you have kids. If you ignore a problem, the problem gets worse. You've got to take care of that problem with your kid. And it's the same thing with our health. All right. Like me, I got to lose weight. I know I got to lose weight. That's part of my New Year's resolution. Hasn't been a great start, but it doesn't mean I give up. But you got to address the problem. You can't ignore your health problem and you can't ignore your financial problem. But spiritual problems are also important because they keep you alert and awake and constantly, uh, you know, at least refreshed, you know, mentally, spiritually. And intellectually can't make compromises. Some, some compromises, as long as they don't morally affect you, others can morally affect you and be dangerous to your well-being and to your family and to your reputation. You can't do it. All right. So, um, Let's look into our prayer, okay? Let's say the Our Father, and I'll get back to you again soon. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Now I'll say it in uh, Latin. It's the same thing as the Our Father. I'm trying to learn it, learn how to pray in Latin. I mean, I've been doing it for a while, but let's let's start doing that. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adviniad regnum tuum, fiat valentas tua, secure in celo ed in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et demidi nobis diepta nostra, Secure et nos demitimus deptoribus nostris et ne nos indugas in totashinam, sed libra nos in malo. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless, and I'll be back again soon.